there you go. <laughs> Danny in a buff, in a buff. Danny in Danny's a buff. In a buff. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunland Half Season Review Podcast. Um, for the first time, we're able to take a three-week break, sit back and assess Sunland's first three months and 20 games in the Championship with the Winter World Cup on the horizon. We'll be giving our thoughts on our standout players so far, our biggest disappointments, our best performances, favourite goals and just general feeling on the club since our return to the second tier in August. Um, as ever, it'll be an ever-faithful duo to join me. First and foremost, it is Brad Sharp. Brad, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, Graham. Um, are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm not bad. I haven't been asked that all season, so thanks for asking. Yeah, I thought I thought I'd get that one in there. I felt a bit sorry for you because I know it's none of us ask you, but yeah, all good, mate. Um, just a bit bored in the week six of my working away one week to go so it's nice to jump on a pod and kill a night of sitting doing nout where are you manchester oh sorry about that um, <laughs> um actually i've got a really bad back um i said i was all right i haven't I got a really bad back um joining me is also alongside brad by the way is um less baldy ross ross how are you doing are you all right all right mate. yeah i'm all good Oh, good. Just looked yesterday and I was like, oh, there's no football for a while. So it's good just to talk about how much we've complained and how much we've enjoyed football so far. Can I ask an honest question? Go on then. I know this is an audio format, but if you grew hair out of protest of Alex Neal going to Stoke? I think so. I think every every two minutes those shouts like you bully twat of the match as well against the <laughs> officials. And I just feel like I don't want to be that attack so far this early in my life. So. I'm ha- I'm hanging on. It's it just very lo- it just looks like about three months worth of growth, which is about around about the same sort of time that Alex Neal left to go to Stoke, which worked out well so far, didn't it? Um, I think without getting too deep, obviously we're twenty games into the season. We've won seven. We've lost seven. We've drew six. We sit in fifteenth. We're four points away from the playoffs, and we're four points away from the relegation spots. Um. It doesn't feel like we're that close to relegation, but also doesn't feel like we're that close to um to the playoffs. But Brad, I'll come to you first. Like obviously twenty games in. How how do you assess the season so far without going too deep? Um like like you've done you I've taken stock really over the last couple of days, knowing that we haven't got a game for a while. And I tried to think about how many podcasts we've came on and we've been pissed off. Um and albeit we were winning a lot last season, we were coming on the podcast really pissed off more often than not. Um, I think there's only one or maybe it's two, Cardiff and maybe even QPR. I think we're a little bit annoyed, but that was just because how it ended. So overall, mate, when you take stock of everything, I'm delighted with how it's gone. We're competing in every single game, bar maybe the one or two. uh, Obviously, the one that was most recent was Cardiff, where we went off on a little bit of a tangent, really, and Forgot about the bigger picture, but again, that's the purpose of the the review shows. Is um, that it's very impulsive, isn't it? And it's very raw. But when you when you look back at it, like you just said, there we're four points off playoffs, four points off relegation. It's bang mid table. It, it would literally bang mid table. And if we're there come end of the season, fantastic. 
it's something to build on. At the minute, it could go either way. Um, but like you said, I, I can't see us being in a relegation battle from how we've played with the players we've got coming back. And the more I've thought about it, yes, we've had some poor performances, but we've been missing. And if you list the players that have been missing, six, five or six of them are probably starters. And we've done pretty well, all, all things considered, and what we've had to deal with, with, you know, your mate Alex leaving, big injury. So, yeah, I, I'm actually, as a whole, very happy with how it's gone so far. Yeah, me too, actually. Um, I think when I put everything into context and... If you told me you'd be missing Ross Stewart for like 11 or 12 games and Alex Neal's going to walk out and go to Stoke after four games, if you told me you'd win seven and would be in 15th place, I would have been like cracking. Um, I suppose the Cardiff game annoyed me a bit and um, I talk about red flags with Mowbray. Results, it's mad how much results change that within a week. But I think when you sit back and assess, which will be like the first time we'll ever really have the chance to do it, I feel really similar, like... um, you could say, well, four points off the playoffs. You could say, oh, God, we're only four points off relegation. But with the amount of plays we've got to come back and there's a January where I think we will strengthen. Um, yeah, I, I've got to be honest. I think my assessment is I'm, I'm happy as Larry. I think, if anything, I'm probably more disappointed that we got those injuries and the couple of results where we have been a bit cheesed off and the couple of times where we have dropped results makes me think we could have maybe made a push for an unexpected playoffs. But... Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to grumble too much about this at that point. But um, Ross, so same question to you. How how do you assess the season so far? In short, um, pretty much the same as you two guys. Really, when you look at, if you were told at the start of the season, your manager's going to Alex Neal's going to leave, Ross Stewart's going to get injured, your two biggest signings defensively, Ballard and Alessi, are going to get injured for a long period. You would have Cirque as well was also out. You would have been really panicking, thinking, "Look, we're doomed here." <clears throat> but we've done really well and we're inconsistent. But I think that comes, I've seen, I think, today, we have the youngest squad in the championship. I think the average age is like 20, 24, something like that. And Danny Bart's played every game. <laughs> Bailey Wright's played a few, you know, these experienced players, Corey Evans. But majority of the time, we're playing young lads who have never been at this level before. So I think, I think there's more to come from the squad with the players coming back. But I also think that if we finished where we are now, I'd probably be content with them from the start of the season. Yeah, same. I think, obviously, it sounds like much of a muchness at Wall of Green in a sense, but I think that is the general consensus, which I think is probably why when... Because I'm... I think the years of scoring from other chairmen and players and all that's kind of left me kind of always fearing the worst, which is probably why I sound a little bit sort of off the wagon against uh, Cardiff. But I think now that I've had a couple of weeks to assess it, and of course a fantastic result, which always helps because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Um, I'm feeling really positive. And I think that's why that result against Birmingham was so, so, so important for the mindset of the fan base moving forward in the second part of the season. Um, but I want to kind of look at the season as a whole. Obviously, I think the assessment is we're happy, um, really happy, content at the worst, which is a great place to be. But at the end of last season, I think it was me and you, Brad, obviously before Ross joined me, you and Dave would we, we discussed the playoffs um, when we won them, which players we, we had high hopes for, which players we thought could handle a step up. But I want to try and narrow it down a little bit. 
and this is quite good because I think there'll be quite a few players that you can mention in this, but I want you to narrow down your top three performers in order this season so far and, and why you've chose them. Um, and then I'll give mine and I'll ask, ask you, Ross, the same question. Well, that's a good question, actually. Um, I mean, it's hard to in- include a few who actually started really well, but they've been out for a long period of time. But for me, number one, I think everyone would agree on it, Danny Bart. Um, he's just been a rock at the back. Um, his leadership, just how good he is, uh, and I think people people underestimate how good he would be at this level. I think you and Dave touched on it. People were worried about his pace being maybe an issue, but what he lacks in pace, he makes up for just how he can read a game. So for me, Danny Bart would be number one. Um, number two, I would say Jack Clark. Uh, I know that he's all he, now and again he's a little bit frustrating. But if he puts 50 balls in the box and the uh, shit balls in or he gets tackled, what I really like about him is he wants to get the ball, he wants to get on the ball again and just try again. He, he never shies away. And I love that about a player. Um, and the third one as well, another one where we thought, can he step up, would be Anthony Patterson. I think Pat has been absolutely outstanding um, as a whole. Yes, he's had one or two mistakes. We knew that was coming. He's a young lad. He's making the step up with the club, with a lot of the players. Um, never played at this level before. A season ago, he was on loan in the, in the National League. He's stepped up really, really well. And like I said, yeah, he's made one or two mistakes, times where he should have came for it and hasn't. But what I've seen in recent weeks is he's learned from that. Because really, he, any other time you would say, if you've got a backup keeper, you, you, you take him out for a couple of games and you bring him back in, maybe. We haven't really had that luxury. Um, so he's he's played on through it and he's he's learning every single week. Um, so yeah, there would be my three: Bart, Clark, and Pat Orr. Obviously, usual mention a few more, which is honourable mention. So I'm not going to mention them yet, but I, I, I could list another four or five, which I've been really happy with. I think I'll go. I said I'll go next, and it's coincidental, really. Um, and it probably goes in a line with what we were saying before about the fan base really weirdly being in unity if there's such a thing obviously there's loads of people have different opinions and twitter can sometimes feel like a bit of a lack of middle ground but i honestly think speaking of fans we all feel quite similar about the team which is quite good and you know i'm always the first to criticize speakman probably and i'm one of the first to like not trust the board but i think that's probably testament to what the hierarchies do. And I always say the success of a football team comes down to the recruitment because the recruitment gets the results on the pitch and obviously has a lot to do with the business side of the game as well. And um, that comes from them. And if I'm content, I suppose I've got to give them a bit of credit. But my first choice was the same, uh, Danny Barr. I kind of hummed and hard on it a little bit about who I would put first, but I've tried to think of a bad game Danny Barr's had and I can't, I can't think of one. I genuinely can't think of a bad game that he's had. Um, we need a song for him. I've tried my best, right? The the best I can get is Danny Bart is magic. He wears a magic hat, and if you threw a brick at if you threw a brick at him, he'll head the fucker back. He heads it to the left side. He heads it to the right. And when we win the football league, we'll sing the song all night. You can tell me if that's shite. You can keep it if you want. It, it, it's alright. Um, it's better than the biggest dick in the championship one, but. Yeah, I think so too. We could just sing like "Let's All Get in the Bath." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't no, know what the tune is, but 
average, but uh, I think we'll leave it to maybe the other lads to get one start because we do need one for him. He's, he's been outstanding. He does. And um, my second choice was exactly the same, Pato. Um, I think when I really think of how far he's come since this time last year when he was just getting in the Notts County team on loan and think where he is now and I'm thinking what's his ceiling? I think that was the question I asked in the last review show with me and Dave, what was Pato's ceiling? Um, I was dead nervous when he came in when like everyone got COVID in the goalkeeping department last year and Pato came in and he conceded the three at Wickham and they were crowding him out and I thought, God, is this kid really as good as he thinks he's going to be? I think he's marvellous. He, he does have like the odd mistake in him. Goalkeepers are going to do that. You know, the QBR goal, the second one when he runs out and then runs back. Um, I, 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 I was a bit annoyed at him then, but like for a kid who's what, 20, 21? When you think a goalkeeper can last up to about 40, I mean, I watched Craig Gordon the other night for Hearts and he's not been on like his 52nd birthday and he's still doing all right. So like Pato's longevity of the time he's got to go in the game and how good he is now just... um. We've talked about players we might need to say goodbye to at some point if we don't progress as fast as them. And I definitely think Pat was on that trajectory, whether you like it or not. Um, and he's my second. My third, probably really unlucky to be third, to be fair, but it's not his fault. It's not my fault. It's not anyone's fault. Um, it's his injuries' fault. Uh, but Ross Stewart, he's just class. Like, I don't care what anyone says. And I know we're probably going to sell him in January now, now that I've said it. But he's just great, and I just love him. And like, there's nothing that I don't like about him. And I'd be absolutely devastated to the point of tears if Ross Stewart ever leaves. And I know he will at one point because that Phillips has, Defoe has, um, Darren Bent did previous strikers that I love. But I'm really struggling to think of a striker I've loved more in my adult life, or a player I've loved more in my adult life. Um, and if it wasn't for his injury, I think he'd be well into double figures. And it's probably, if anything a slight blessing that he did get injured um, from a him being sold perspective, because I think with six months slash potentially 18 months, if we extend his contract, which I think we have the option on, if he's in double figures, this team sniffing around him at the end of the day. It doesn't look like we're going to get promoted this season. Let's be honest. It would take a big push. I'm not saying we won't, but like it's, it's just not nailed on. So you've got to expect like the likes of Everton, Bournemouth and stuff like that might be having a luck. In January, if he's on double figures, but um, it'd be wrong of me to not include him. I think honorary mention for Jack Clark, I think, has been great. Um, I think when Jack Clark's bad, he's absolutely honking, but when he's good, he's unplayable. Um, the best thing about Jack Clark is he's more likely on his game than not. I can probably count on one hand how many poor games he's had this season. Um, at the end of the day, he's impacted a lot more and he's had to play up front, he's had to play at the wing back, he's had to play on the wing, he's had to play on the right, he's had to play on the left. And he, I think when he's at full tilt, he's, he's one of the better players in this league. And the thing I really like about Jack Clark is he's got a bit of arrogance. I like that. Um, I like when he gets fouled, he sort of looks at the defender like, did you have to do that just because I'm too good for you? Which I found quite funny. Um, I quite like that about Jack Clark. But my top three will be, will be Danny Bart, Pato, Ross Stewart, um, huge honourable mention for Jack Clark, who I think's probably a little bit, um, I was going to say a bit disappointed to miss out. He's not listening. Um, he's in Dubai at the minute, I think. Um, but if he was, I'm sure he'd be a little bit disappointed to miss out. Ross, does your list differ at all? Um, Jack Clark, number one for me, like you said. Uh, had Patterson, number two, just got better as the games have gone by. He's made mistakes, but he's a young lad. 
playing at a level he's not used to. But as you, we've all touched on, he's learned from the mistakes. And I think he, over the last few games, I've seen him command his area. And I feel like now he's at the stage where he's in charge of that at box from set pieces, which early in the season wasn't the case. But my third one is a bit of a wild card, but his importance to the team when he's not there. You see how exposed we are, and that's Corey Evans. For me, when he's not there, we are so exposed in the middle. And we see, we've seen it a few times this season, like Stoke away, he had to come on when he wasn't ready. And then Cardiff at home, which was horrific without him there, controlling the midfield. And I feel like he just brings such a calmness and leadership to the to the position, which is just so effective for the way we play. And to be fair to Corey Evans, if you, this time last year, I'd say he was probably one of the worst Sullen signs ever. Because he came in, oh, he's a championship centre midfielder, and he was honking. I never thought that. I've always rated him. <laughs> you once Brad, you once said that he was the worst captain you've ever seen at any level, and it's tremendous oh, that that's on record. <laughs> I, I quoted him as being a coward. <laughs> and then, like a week later, you were like, "Oh, I got a photo with him," <laughs> and then he did well from there onwards. I don't know. What can I, I say? Know. But I agree with Corey Evans. I mean, on every point everyone's made there, like. I record this as well, and I I didn't stop Brad and what you were saying last year. I kind of also came back and said I think you know he's rubbish. Um, and then there was a game last season like we started improving a bit, almost direct after Brad said that hilariously enough. And then I think there was a game at home we played last season, which was Shrewsbury, and um, you didn't play first half, and then we had to bring him on and won it in the last minute because we were like we're just really in the shit basically because we just didn't look the same team. I don't know what it is, but I feel like since, um, like a lot of players since the moment Alex Neal came in, stepped up a bit and have continued to step up, even with the change of manager and kind of realised essentially how lucky they'd be to be at this football club. And I think every footballer is lucky to be at this football club. I'm not kind of saying that in a bad way. Um, and, and I think a lot of them, Corey Evans included, have grasped what it means to captain this football club and it's been an absolute... Um, I was going to say legend there. That's not what I meant. Um, a nice man in the middle of the midfield. I can't think of an answer. I still prefer his brother. Never going to change that. Love his brother. Um, in but... a way, though, he will go down as a legend because he's the first son captain to lift a playoff final trophy. I listened back to the um, the preview show at the start of the season to see kind of, and I know obviously things can change because we're only halfway through, but just to kind of see what we thought, who would stand out, um, so I said Ross Stewart, so I think that's fine. I think that's all right. I think I'm not too far wrong if it wasn't for the injury. Dave obviously said Ross Stewart as well. Um, Ross, I feel a bit bad for you who you went for because you've got even probably more of a reason to kind of blame injury. You said Dan Ballard. He was great when he was fit. Nah, he was all right. Yeah, he wasn't bad. I quite like him. Made a, he made a really good, good impact at the back. Him and Danny Barth seemed to get a really good partnership up there, but there's George still more annoying. The QPR game in the general that happened there too, and it wasn't even given as a foul. Oh, he broke right, his eh? foot. He broke his foot with a bad lay challenge, and he didn't even the foul wasn't even given. 
I don't know why I'm laughing, by the way. So, like, again, I don't think Dan Ballard's listening, but if he is, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at your broken foot. That wasn't my intention. Uh, Brad, you said, and I quote, Dan Neal will take this league by storm. Maybe. Right. Okay. <laughs> Explain yourself. <laughs> he stood out straight away by getting a red card. It's very true. Um, but if you look back on some of our good goals this season, when I said Dan Neal will be able to pick a pass that not many other players will be able to, and I think they were the words I said, he can, he can pick passes and thread the ball. He'd done it the other night against Birmingham, that ball on the back to Jack Clark for the goal at Reading. And the all and the great ball first half against Birmingham that Ahmad got on the end and that Woody pulled off a good save. He is pulling off some great passes and he sees things that other players don't see. It's just a bit of consistency. Now he's still young. I do think he's starting to be noticed more and more for how good of a player he is, technical footballer, but he's still got that mistake in him. So I think I'm half right because He's played a big part in some of our better goals this season and some of our very good play going forward. No, you know what? Like, like was, I'm laughing at it and because obviously he hasn't took it by storm technically, but I agree with you 100%. Like, on a serious note, I think Dan Neal's done really well. Um, I can't stand when he loses the ball in front of goal like that. drives me nuts. But um, you're right. I think, you know, for me, Dan Neal's a starting 11 player. That's going to get better. And I think he's, he's, he's a lovely footballer to watch. Um, mind, I much prefer watching him go through like scare zones um, than I do watching him play football. And that's not because I think he's a bad footballer. I think he's a great footballer. It's just because that psychopath thing that he went through was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen a bloke look more terrified in his, all of his born days. Um, but fair play to him, he's the only one that went in on his own. Um, we normally don't actually have many to discuss, especially at the halfway stage of the season. Um, and they all count at the end of the day. But um, I'll come to you with this one, Ross. Um, we're kind of having our own goal of the season competition here, to be completely honest. Um, so I kind of have to throw that question in. What's been your, your favourite goal of the season and why? This probably is the most popular one, but it's for a reason, the red and away one. It was just total. We hadn't seen a Sunderland team play that style of football for year ever. If I was going to say for years, even when we were more successful, we didn't play that style at all. But just the way we played it out on the back, we were all panicking when Ellis Sims went down, and we're like, "Oh, we're never going to score a goal ever again." And then we just played this total. It was like Barcelona esque style of football. And as Brad mentioned before, with Dan Neil, that ball in for Jack Clark, and the touch that just sends the defender for a hot dog. And he just belted it in the bottom corner in front of our fans who were just thinking, going absolutely mental, thinking what on earth's going on here. And I think it went viral for a reason. I just think for a team goal, you'll not see a better one. So that's my pick. But there have been some, I'm sure you'll get to them, some very honourable mentions. And I think we, we could have our own vote at the end of the season where it's just neck and neck for how many great goals we've scored. I think as well, like, what people forget about that Reading game, and I feel a bit sorry for Patrick Roberts, is the, the first two goals were beauties as well. Like, they were really good goals. Like, we totally caught them on the break. It was such a weird game, that, though, because all goals were scored on the break, and yet we had complete domination of, like, <laughs> possession. It was like Redden, whenever they decided they might consider going forward, we just done them on the break. Um, and I think Jack Clark's goal went so viral, and it was so good. That kind of 
Roberts's two beauties were completely forgot about because if like Roberts doesn't do that every week, I wish he did. Um, that is like Roberts at his full potential and his full ability, I think. Um, and they're both cracking goals, so they they deserve honourable mentions too. Obviously, they're not going to get in the I think any of our favourites here, but they deserve honourable mentions alongside a couple of them. But before I give mine, Brad, what what's yours? I'm, I'll say I'll say something different. Obviously, that one was outstanding. <laughs> There's the old saying is you, you you see things different when you're at a game and then then what you're doing the telly. So I was at the Huddersfield game for Pritchard's goal. Now I seen it from a different perspective. I didn't realise how good it was. And then I watched it back after and I went, fucking hell. Again, we played out from the back. Bailey Ward. Bailey Ward. Bailey Wright. <laughs> Bailey Rad. <laughs> Bailey Wright has zipped the ball 30 yards in to Ellis Sims. He's good day it, basically. Yeah. Now, what I liked about that is that's the first game, or was it the second game where we've had a striker back? Now, any other point through the season without a striker, Bailey Wright does not play that ball into someone just to, just to pull a centre-half out. He won't touch, and then it's like it, we're away. Um, so I think it's just how, how that goal came, that Ellis Sims is finally back. And through a striker being able to come deep, do his job, knock it off, and then we break. That's up there with mine as, as, as one of my favourites. And the fact that Pritchard was getting a load of shit all game and he waited till then to get his first goal of the season. And then he just gives Huddersfield a load of shit back. So, yeah, I, I'll go with that one. But again, like we're going to be watching Sky Sports News at the end of the season. We'll come to the championship goal of the month, goal of the season. And it's just going to be a montage of red and white shirts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, it was like when I was thinking about like your favorite goal in that it was a, there was a it was a genuine question. I felt like Jack Clark was going to be the one that wins, but it's funny. Like I'm giving my honest opinion here when I say my favorite goal this season was Ahmad Diallo's against uh, against uh, Birmingham because I just didn't expect it. And for me, I know people like the free flow and lovely football, and so do I. It's dead nice, um, but you kind of just beat just a long ranger for me. Like I just think, like, like to me, that's the ultimate skill. You've launched that little round thing from a distance, and you put it in the net, and then with the net flash, and it made the noise, and it was in front of the Sunderland fans, and then we just kind of ran off to be like, "I'm absolutely class, by the way," and worth every single penny of this thirty-five million. Um, and it was it was a good night as well. Went out with the Sunderland Scotland Sunderland Scotland Sporters branch, um, and like when he got it, you were like, "Go on then, go on, Ahmad, do some it." And the week cut in and just banged it, and the whole like pub just erupted with like six to eight of us. It was just, it was just great. So for me, I honestly mean it when I say, I don't know if it's the best goal. I don't know. I'm not a footballer, but the one I enjoyed the most was Diallo's. I mean, when you're on about ones that are like good on the eye from like a bit of a distance, was one that hardest anyone talks about. And any other any other season, it's it's a goal goal of the season. It was Lyndon Gooch against Sheffield United. Oh yeah. Like yeah. that, that was magic. The ball from Ross, even like, yeah, just everything about it. But like the finish from Gooch was just sublime. And that's one that, like, not many people remember. We, we got beat that night, but we still talk about that as being potentially one of our better performances this season. And we just forget about that goal because we've scored that many good ones since. But that was, that was outstanding as well. Jack Clark at home to Rotherham was brilliant as well. The one where he just ran through them. <laughs> 
<laughs> I forgot about that completely. Like, it feels like all the goals conceded this season have been crap and scored by goalkeepers scoring headers in the 93rd minute. And all of our goals have just been absolutely class. The one that Roscoe scored against Rotherham was, was good. The ball across yeah. from um, Dan Neal's against Burnley was good. Like... The way he hit it, the way he came onto it was like really, really nice. The 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 play for Diallo to get his against Burnley was nice as well. I think because we got beat, you kind of forget how good we were in that game. Um I mean the goal, even Roscoe's winner at Bristol City is a lovely goal, lovely cross in from from Pritch. Um obviously not in the same vein as the other ones, but like we ha- we have scored some absolute crackers. Um Sergeant's against Wigan when he got around the back post and took the bullet great. header. But I mean, we conceded a goal from it against the keeper. So an honourable mention of one of our best goals this season is uh, Mr. Alex Bass. Oh, yeah. He rose like a kipper. <laughs> Honestly, like... <laughs> That's got to always... be an honourable mention. When we were talk- when you're talking about review show- preview show at the start of the season, we were talking about banter moments. No one predicted that. <laughs> We'd have a goalkeeper score against us at the stage of my life. We'd have a striker crisis. And our striker crisis could have been over. We realised that our backup goalkeeper could score from corners because <laughs> then we haven't scored from a set play in the first team all season. I just thought I found that goal really funny. Like, it, I mean, to be honest, I didn't really care that much about it. I'm not going to lie because, like, under 23 game, whatever. Um, and I'm sure them lot of the road don't care either. But it was just funny watching it the way he just kind of falls into it. It's not even like a header. He just kind of, it's just, just this big yellow thing that's just there. It's not like Mark Poon where he's like rose like a salmon and just headed perfectly. He's at the post and then he's just kind of farted on it and gone in. And then kind of his face is kind of like, oh, what have I done? Oh, no. He's literally punched it in on the floor, which is fantastic. He said after, I was on the floor and I punched it in in the referee. <laughs> you know what I mean? How can you not see that as an official? A keeper on the floor just punched it in the back of the net. Probably a that's championship a- referee. That's our first goal from a set play, set play all season as well. Oh, God, that's true, actually. You know what? We'll talk, <laughs> talk about this the other day, but first goal from a set play. But, like, I know it's not officially counted, but I class um, I class circuits as, like, set play, kind of. Because, and I think it was 9 does pass it forward, but, I mean, it was just a quick free kick. Like, it was still, I know it's not officially one, and it'll not go down as one, but I, I think we can include that as well, but. That's just me. Um, I don't like negatives, but we'll chuck one in. And this can be a player, it can be a moment, um, it can be anything, really. What what has been your your biggest disappointment so far this season, Ross? I know there's not been that many, which is really nice, but um, is there anything that's disappointed you particularly? Injuries. They were absolutely crippled with. Ballard, Alessi, Stewart, Sims, even Gooch, you know. We've, we've taken without for a while. We've just been battered with injuries. Without injuries, I honestly, I honestly believe we'd be sitting in the playoff spaces going into the World Cup. Maybe it would have been a false position when we could have dropped out, but I do believe from the performances we've seen against our position we've played, if we had a fit squad with our main players back in the back and the front line, the core basically, we would have we would we would be higher in the league. And I think that's the only downside, really, injuries. I've got one, I don't even want to mention it really, but I've got to be honest and say the one time where I just went, oh, it's Alex Neil going to Stoke. It's worked out and so far. It's been okay. Like, And I think I've cut the red flags from Mowbray Eye, but I think 
in general, like I say, I kind of go back on what I said at the start of the podcast and say that I'm overly disappointed and overly concerned with Mowbray necessarily. Um, but when Alex Neal left, I was just gutted. Like, I can't turn around and say, like, I just hate him and, like, I think this and that and the other about him because there's podcasts that I've got my recorded conversation on it where I've said how much I liked him, how much I thought he was going to push us further forward. And and do I still wish he was here? I'm going to be controversial with this and say I, and that's not a slant on Mowbray. I just... I think you can go back like three years in this podcast and you can go into other podcasts that I've spoken on as well with, with other Sunderland sites. And I think I've always talked about the personality to take charge of Sunderland. I think Mowbray is kind of half there, but I just thought Alex Neal's fitted the personality of what a Sunderland manager should be down to an absolute T. Honest, no BS, straight up. And when he left to go to Stoke, I mean, no offence to Stoke. Obviously, Stoke have been in the the Premier League and the you know they've been in FA Cup finals not that long ago and I understand they've got a much bigger ceiling than where they are just now. I'm certainly not going to slander Stoke City because you know I've seen Stoke City beat some of them many a time. I just felt even now, and I was someone at the time that probably understood it more than some other fans did. But even now when I think and sit about it, I don't think there's anything that would have convinced me at that moment in time to up and leave someone to go to Stoke. Like and I don't mean that like something bigger, they've got a bigger seal and all that. It just things were so good at something then. And they've continued to be because the, the feel-good factor has been so decent and people have been so level-headed this season. He had like a free hit at getting a team, which could have been in the playoffs. I know he would have had the injuries at the same time, but um, I'm all right with it now. Like I'm totally fine with it. It's not gone as bad as I thought it would. But I've got to say, if I had to pick one moment in the season where I just kind of went, oh, it was that. Um, and I've sound like I've stuck up from quite a bit there, but for the record, I'm still annoyed that he went and watched another football club when we were playing Norwich at home. That's just a shit trick, as we say in our country, I think. Um, Brad, I don't think there's been many disappointing moments and any disappointing moments that we've had. We've recovered from the Alex Neal situation, Ross touched on injuries before. We've recovered from them. Have you got a similar tale of disappointment, or um, are you going to go something slightly different? Um, I think the injuries, nice isn't it? By the way, you went. Um... Yeah. The injuries one is for me. I mean, the worst I've felt was five minutes before the Bowie game being in the stadium. Oh, had all the atmosphere of us all singing in the concourse and coming out, and someone saying Stuart's out, and my dad FaceTimed me and said, "What happened to Stuart?" And I'm like, "What? What?" And that utter devastation when I tell the lads in front of the Stuart's out, and everyone was just like, "Oh shit." That for me was probably the lowest point of my of the season. I would say Alex Neil, but I can't stand. Him. So, <laughs> you, you, know, you know, I loved him as much as you at one point, Graham. But you're like a scorned lover. I love it. Like him and Jermaine Defoe, you're just like, nah, I'm never texting him back, nah, even when I'm drunk. That nah, if you're a snake, you're a snake. Yeah, it will be the injuries for me. I mean, and probably the lowest I felt at a game is a is a toss up between the second half of Burnley and the Cardiff game. Where I was like really, really annoyed at a, at a particular game itself. Mm. A lot of the stuff we're talking about was off the field incidents, um, but talking about a negativity whilst that again it was probably them two, like them two moments like when the fourth goal went in at Burnley. First time I've walked out. Ah, yeah, I, don't I, do well. that. I don't usually do that, but when you concede four goals in 35, 40 minutes, 
it, that just, it just rips your soul out. I had, you know what? I immediately had someone on Twitter having a go at me as well after that. Well, not having a go at me directly, like just tweeted me straight away and went, oh, Sunderland fan, like, oh, Sunderland fans walking out after the fourth were a disgrace. And I was just like, oh, how am I? Not at this moment in time. I've got a three-hour drive back to Glasgow, man. Like, the game's our. You know what's funny? I was listening to the... I asked them what would be our banter moment of the season. And I messed it up completely by saying about under-23s would win the Pat with Johns, but not even in it. Um, but it was really eerie. One thing came true in banter moments, and it was not quite right what Dave said, but Dave said Charlie White would score against us, but he said he'd get the winner. That came true. But Ross really eerily basically sounded like Dave Jones in a hybrid of... Christian Speakman when he was saying how it's probably getting around that time where our players are worth value and under the model we're going to sell players and you said the banter moment of the season was we'd be feeling really really positive and then we'll sell Ross Stewart in January and your heart will be ripped out and I don't like how like close that could be to fruition because I listened back to it and I was like what does he know like what did he know then it feels like it could very, 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 very possibly come true that, unfortunately, especially with the sounds coming out. It was minging oh, here in the back. Wasn't mine something like we get beat off Borough? One, one, it was. Uh, you, said, you said we'd be one nil up against Borough, um, and then Paddy McNair and Duncan Watmore would score two late goals. As it was, we just decided to get our best striker injured and then... Um, play really badly against Borough and just get beat in the normal way, which to be fair was probably preferable. Um, there was a relatively funny moment at Middlesbrough, but I don't think I can touch on it on the podcast, so I'll move on. Um, I don't know why I've done that, but um, moving on, uh, segment two favorite three games, Ross, so far, and why? Um, Wigan at home, the comeback, the atmosphere was brilliant. I just absolutely loved it. Um, Reading away because we turned into Barcelona. And weirdly, I'm going to say Birmingham away on Friday because it felt like such a big game going into break. I it was probably at the lowest point of the season thinking, God, if we get beat here, we're in trouble. And Diallo just, Diallo just came back into his own and was brilliant. So I'd say them three. But I'd also give an honourable mention, I think, for uh, Bristol City away, because that's when I felt like we were really back. Yeah, that that's actually my number one. I said Bristol City, like probably not the game I enjoyed most. I was actually at Montrose, watching it on a stream. Um, yeah, I, I was at Montrose versus Queen of the South. It's a long story that's not going to add anything to the podcast. That's just where I was, um, and it was like that game because we'd conceded late against Coventry, and it was like. Ah, and you kind of want to get that win when you first get promoted, just get off your back and to get it away from home and score three and your new striker to get two and then the one that you love and kind of have been dead confident is going to be like really good in this division. Goes and bags the winner. Um, and it's from the, another guy who you kind of really thought uh, Pritchard would be uh, someone who would be like massive. It was, it was kind of like that realisation that everything I thought would happen or could happen has happened. We've got that first win and it was just like, get in, that'll do. Um, after that, Birmingham, probably the first time this season where I didn't expect us to get something or wasn't 100% hopeful that we could. I kind of thought we had so many injury issues. Huggins was back in at left back after like 85 months injured. Um, and I just felt a bit like we'll probably struggle a bit. 
And I think it was the first game where I really went, Oof, I'll be I'll be delighted with a point on this. I'll snap your hand off. And we were just a better team. And we just put them to bed fairly easily. I know the bit of a bombardment towards the end, but we restricted them to that. Um, two great goals. The players that came in were great. Sims got his goal. Everything just kind of came up millhouse, so to speak. Um, after that, uh, the only game out of these three that I've actually attended, but Wigan, I agree with you 100%. The atmosphere was class. I felt like um, I felt the players did an awful lot to get that win, but I felt like the 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 fans at half time, rather than just going, oh, Charlie White's going to score the winner and Broadhead's going to get the second, that's it, just went, no, no, not this time. No, not happening. And there's been a lot of it recently, and I know there's been a lot of criticism of the fans and like recently for certain things and for what it's worth, I won't touch on it. I think we all, I'm not an idiot, so I, I know the things that have been criticised recently, I agree with, should not be part of the fan base. But I think that's a minority. I think on the whole, I think our fan base has been really good this season at getting behind the lads. Um, and I mean, that home and away, I, mean, I know people are going to disagree with me on that, but I think Wigan was a fine example of like the fans really just going, no, nah, you know what, no. And it's, it's felt like that at times on a more regular basis since the Chef Web playoff game. I remember walking in that Chef Wed playoff game just going, we're not losing this. And it, that gave me confidence the whole way through the playoffs. Um, I just knew we weren't getting beat off Chef Wed. And I know the people around me felt the same way. And I felt Wigan had like elements of that. Obviously, not quite as important. But, um, well, it was an important win, but obviously it's not a playoff semi-final. But um, I felt like it had elements of that. And I think the fans were fantastic that day. I think our fans are fantastic. I always will. Um, Brad, what were your... Your top three? Preston, Blackpool and Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I can't remember Chef Webb there. I was like, what happened against Chef Webb? Got beat 2 out, didn't we? Oh, it, but that, that, that game, though, is memorable for being called Winchester's final in a red and white shirt. It's a bit painful for me, that. Um, right. I was going to say Bristol City because I yeah. thought we were just class managed to score three goals and I just thought that day it just felt like something had clicked it was our first win in the championship um, I would also say yeah I, I would do I want to say it? yeah I'll, I'll go with Redden as well um, because I think that was the that was the first game where we actually genuinely had no strikers and when they had to bring Embleton on we were like right what happens here? And we played with two false nines and absolutely told them a new one. So I thought that was great. And a game that I don't think anyone's mentioned because we didn't win. But the reason being is the first time that I'd seen Mowbray not afraid to throw the young ones on with nought to lose was Watford away. And we've seen what these young lads are actually, are actually capable of. Dewey came on, got the equaliser, was was great. Ahmad came on, he just danced around them put a ball in and Jack Clark with a great finish was just unlucky. Um, Elise's first goal, so we've seen what he was all about, getting forward and it, it even got to the stage where people can't him to go and play up front. <laughs> so that's like a panther moment as well. Um, but yeah, I, th I think the Watford one for, <laughs> it was just for how we came back because when we threw the youngins on, it was sort of a, a step into the unknown. And that wouldn't have happened if had we had the likes of not not had the injuries like your Stewart, your Ballard, your Sims. They were all fit and available. We wouldn't have had that moment. So the fact that we managed to 
just go for it and see Tony Mowbray just not afraid to say, right, fuck it. You five youngins, just get on there and do something. And just for him to get his first goal in front of the fans was just was just great. Now, I mean, I wasn't there, but I celebrated like I was there because it was just absolutely outstanding to see. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with them three. Um, but, I mean, not for the result itself, but an honourable mention for me as well would be Coventry. It was our first game back into the league and we didn't know what we would be like. And I thought first half we were absolutely outstanding. Um. Yes, they scored a great goal. And that's where we thought like the, the step up in classes there. But I thought everything about that day from the build-up of the game, the fans who were behind it, the flag display, everything. I just thought, yeah, it felt like the club are, are going in the right direction. So that's an honourable mention for me for the how I felt that day. felt like a, a sense of pride in the club, which I haven't had for seven, eight years, apart from Wembley. You do realise that all you need to have a sense of pride in your football club is to be bought over by like murdering nations and then to buy a couple of right-backs and a defensive midfielder though, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the pride's back. Me pride's back. Mm. Moving it's on. Big, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, but there's loads we can go into. Like, if, if you just do think back, there's just moments this season where you've just felt good. And, like, the game's been good. Like, one, I was going to touch on it and we got beat and the three of us met up outside the ground after because there was a whole Alex Neal fiasco. No, everyone was thinking we were going to get turned over. Where's everyone's head going to be at? And the lads just gave me nothing but like the sense of pride how they stepped up against Norwich and were very unlucky to get beat that game. Um, And I think we said about that afterwards. There was just like, you couldn't fault anyone. They'd been dealt a shit hand within 24 hours and then went and played at the time the team that was sat top, promotion favourites. And just gave a hell of an account against themselves. So even when we've got beat this season, there's games where I would say you can pick points out and say, actually, I've enjoyed that because we we're, we're you can see we've we've got an identity and we've we've got a bit of pride about the the, the lads. I think going back to that Norwich game, you probably don't realise how far or how important that actual performance was. Like I, I thought we did really, really well against Norwich. I think it was one of our better performances this season. And if you remember like I, I spoke before by disappointments. I was completely dejected before that game. I was just like Sam Allardyce situation all over again. Here we go, who we're going to get. I wasn't enthused by Mowbray's appointment. Again, like I say, I've sort of changed my opinion on that. I think he's been okay. Um, and obviously had played with no strikes, um, which wouldn't have helped him. But I was like dead dejected and the lads all totally showed up on the pitch. And on another day, we would have won that comfortably 2-3-0. We hit the bar, hit the post. Should have scored. I think you kind of forget that QPR game when they equalised. Like, Embo hit the bar in, like, the 94th minute or something as well. You kind of forget about that. But there's always been... that. That is just more evidence that even when, like, your back's against the wall, we still needed it. And no, we didn't. So it's kind of a mute point. But, like, remembering that, you know, some of these players couldn't get a kick in League One a year ago. Didn't even look that impressive in League One. Just shows you how much they've stepped up. And this felt really nice and positive. Um, final question before we go. Um, and I'll go through where we said at the start of the season and where we're at at the moment. So I want you to name who you think will be the star of the season um, in the second part of the season and where you think we'll finish. I'll come to you first, Ross. I'll tell you... Actually, before we do, I'll tell you what Dave said. Um, Dave's the closest overall... <laughs> 
Um, Dave Sedgwick finished 10th, so he's five positions off at the moment. And he said the star of the season would be Ross Black. He said he said that you'd be the best addition. And I can't disagree. He's fucking, he's fucking miles off then, isn't he? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that was rude. But, um, so now, what would I... Uh, still take 10th. And I think second half of the season, our star player will be Amadiallo. You said at the start of the season we would finish 12th. And you said the star of the season would be Dan Ballard. To be fair, not too far off. Um, I also said Dan Ballard. And I said that we would finish 15th. So get who's banged on the nose at the moment. It would be myself, yes. I'm not just a good podcast host. Well, I'm barely that, depending on who you speak to. Um, second half of the season... Uh, I'm going to stick with 15th. Aim low. You'll never be disappointed. Um, none of this reach for the stars. And if you miss, it'll be all right, because Noah's a pretty big fall. Um, so I'll say 15th. Um, and I think our start of the second half of the season, you know what? It's someone who just never lets us down, Ever. I don't care what anyone says, Luke O'Neill. I think come the end of the season, we'll realise he's a championship player and he'll have another tremendous um, second half of the season. Haven't spoken about him at all during this podcast. Completely forget the fact that the kid's played centre-half and he's a midfielder, right-back, goalkeeper, centre-forward, number 10 or whatever he is. And he's been class. He's been at right-back the past few games before his suspension. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Luke O'Neill because I just think it's a, it's a safe bet, isn't it? He might have a... Seven out of ten season, but um, I think it's a safe bet with O nine that he's he's going to be fine. But um, Brad, where are you going to go? Yeah, just on Luke O nine as well. I'll touch on that one. He also walked out to help the tunnel in the same game. I walked out early. <laughs> oh God, I I, I forgot like, like Arch, Archie for the if it's first time listening or one of the first times listening. Archie's Brad's Littlin, um, and he was mascot for the Burnley game and. I don't know if people are aware of this, but um, when I proposed to my fiance, I got Luke on nine to do the video doing it. And honestly, like the funniest thing about Luke on nine, right? Just to touch on how great of a bloke he was. So when we won at Wembley, I still had his number because I had to text him to get the video and get the WhatsApp and stuff like that. And obviously, you don't want to bother people or anything like that. But I was, I was, I was, I had a good drink. Um. So I text him after we were at Wembley just saying, I fucking love you. And I was just like, oh, God, what have I done? Like a day later, you absolute loser of a man, uh, like proper loser behavior. And a week later, I kind of forgot about it. Still on the cloud nine off Wembley. I was in the bath, just farting about on my phone. <laughs> got a message back off him like five, six days later, just saying, oh, cheers, mate. Hope you had a good day. Hope you're well. <laughs> Oh, it's just like any normal sane person would just ignore that text message and block my number. Um, but he didn't, and, and he's a lovely lad, but he was great. He's, class. he's a great boy. He's class. He, I mean, he sent our Archie a birthday message, a get well message after his surgery, back in lockdown. He's just he's just oozes class. So, I, I, yeah, I'll agree with that one. But what did I predict at the start? Fifth. Fifth, you absolute imbecile. Right. Um, fourth, I'm going to go. Oh, for fuck. <laughs> because now 
Because you're challenged. Listen, there's method to the madness. There isn't. We're four points off. <laughs> We're four points off the playoffs. And we've got players to come back. And I've been very impressed with the players that have... I sound as positive Jimmy Ray off the wise men say, don't I? Oh, I like <laughs> Jimmy Ray. I really he's like He's never Jimmy negative. Ray. And I feel like I'm... I'm I'm like his, his, what's the word I'm looking for? His like... Uh, Not as good looking brother? N- yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that one. Uh, I like Jimmy Ray. Jimmy, if you listen, I really like you, mate. I think you're yeah. a I love his positivity. So do I. I really like him. No, I don't like this as much as I like Keelan's things. I love Matt Keelan's £11 a day thing. That's excellent. He spends £13 a day. I've seen that. He's mm, only I on mean, uh, nine, £9 tomorrow. Inflation, that, isn't it? Yeah, right. Anyway, back to football. <laughs> because we've got players coming back, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm actually gonna stick with fifth. Um, oh, you changed your tune quick. You went, I'm gonna be positive, and then you went, oh, I'll just change my mind and go further down. We'll, we'll be 15th by the time we're finished recording this. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll go sixth then because we're only four. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, we're only four points off, right? And it depends if you're a glass half full or glass half empty type of person of how you would predict the second half because we're literally bang in the middle. Um, I'm, I'm going to say because we've got these players coming back, I believe we will have a, a playoff push and I, I still do. As for player of the season, for the remainder of the season, mm, if he stays, I'm going to say Ross Stewart. I think he's going to come back and he's just going to, it's just going to lift everything. Oh, I love Ross Stewart so much. Um, I, I could have been safe and said Danny Bart won't put a foot wrong. He hasn't in twenty games, and he won't for the remaining fo- uh, twenty six. I'm still debating but, whether I need to put the Danny Bart song into this podcast. I yeah, don't like, I don't like ridicule. I get anxious. No, put it in. I like it. Mm. You don't like ridicule. Brad's just said we're going to finish fourth. You're fine, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you, remember, can you remember who you said at the start of the season you thought would be our player with this? I uh, like. Standout or whatever this season. Did I say Dan Neal and Elliot Embleson? You said they would be the standout, but then you said like the um I can't remember what we did, but it was like the surprise package or like the standout or the player that we would be like, whoa, was Aji Alessi? Did I? Not too far wrong to be fair. I like Aji. No, because actually in the four or five games he had a run on the side, I think he got maybe his man the match three times oh, off us or off other podcasts. Of Danny and Frankie, I think they were just giving the man the match because he was absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, I, I know my stuff, don't you? Don't you worry about that. Um, I, I think I, that... I have actually Graham, been listening back on your preview pods mm-hmm. just while we're on. And if our your predictions have been right all the way, you would have us sat third, and you still think we're going to finish fifteenth. We would that's be like, third if your predictions all came true. That's like the false hope of anything, isn't it? Like, well, I kind of hadn't only only lost twice. <laughs> when did I? When did I? Use... And I'm like, oh, why do I always get me results wrong? I think the one time I went realistic was Luton, and I was just like, oh god, we've got these strikers one one, and then you're like, you're a bit like Mark Lawrenson when he used to try and predict Liverpool, but for four seasons he had them winning every single game in this in the time when they were finishing seventh and sixth. <laughs> you are the Sunderland version of Mark Lawrenson. And it's interesting that I class myself as a pessimist when it comes to Sunderland. Optimist with everything else. Pessimist with Sunderland, and yet I would have us third if all my results got right. That's weird, that. It's neat wonder why I got one right. Yeah. Well, he could be worse. Mark Keelan's miles off with this as well. So. Wait, I mean, that's that's kind of 
Because he puts <laughs> us to win 5 nil. <laughs> but to yeah. be fair, I predicted one result this season. I was in the fans' museum before the game, the Rotherham game, and I was like, 3 nil the night, Stewart first goal. And it didn't happen. And my mate texted saying, I hope you put money on that. I was like, nope. So, yeah. Useless. And I I had Charlie White would win 2-1 and Charlie White to score first against Wigan as well. Didn't oh. put any money on it. Didn't put any money on it. So that's twice now I've been sitting in the fans museum with a pint and predicted what happened and didn't put any money on it. Did you see... I am a fool. Just to end this podcast... <laughs> you came guess... sat with me up before the Cardiff game. Look what happened then. <laughs> Just to end this podcast, obviously, that's just done, by the way. So if you don't want to listen to this other stuff at the end, you can just turn it off now if you want. It's fine. But I, anyway, I, we've gone off on a tangent. But um, hopefully, I've, I've actually really enjoyed it. Um, I was going to say, hopefully, you've enjoyed it. But I, I've actually enjoyed it. So if you don't enjoy it, I'm not bothered, really, because I have. Um, I know I always say the show is for you, but this one's for me, all right? I've got to have some kind of joy when I'm doing it. But, um, yeah, it feels really positive if things go on a even vaguely similar trajectory or even a tad worse, like we'll probably achieved our goal of establishing ourselves and pushing on further forward. But um but Brad Ross, thanks for joining me in this the Posipod. Posipod? The put po- the, the Posipod. Um thanks for joining me on it. I hope that you're all right. We're gonna be back um during the the winter break, the World Cup break with like some other stuff as well. We wanted to get this one out of the way first and foremost because obviously it's probably the most prominent and obvious one to do. Um, people have probably seen there's a couple of things I want to do. I don't know if I can. I'll try my best. But um, we're also going to have another show, which I think you're going to enjoy, which is called the uh, the Retro Show. I'm hoping you're going to enjoy that. And we've got a, a little bit of a fun one coming up with the World Cup in a couple of days. I think people know I'm not going to be covering the World Cup. I don't want to necessarily support the fact that it's in Qatar, but we can still have a little bit of fun on previous World Cups and former Sunderland players. Um, so please do join in to check us out. Thanks to everyone for subscribing, by the way, actually for once in my life said, please subscribe and you just did. Um, so I'll say it again, please subscribe because it's better when you're here with us. Um, I prefer when you you come along for the ride. It's always much more fun having that. But um, Brad and Ross, I'll shut my mouth and just thank you for coming on. Cheers. You're very welcome. Pleasure. Cheers, mate. Danny in a bath, in a bath. Danny in, <laughs> Danny's a, bath. in a bath. <laughs> that one's the winner. <laughs>